I did not get together with Cheryl to know what she was going to do. I didn't get together with the people that lead, led the service, Cheryl herself, uh, to know. And yet the whole program and the whole presentation of this day, even the children, their singing, has to do with exactly this. God is our refuge and our strength. And I'm here to tell you that this psalm is a psalm that's given to us so that we might understand the grace and the blessing of the Lord in our lives. It says, God's our refuge and our strength. Now, what is he a refuge and a strength for? Well, first of all, in time of trouble. If there's anybody seated here in this auditorium that doesn't know about trouble, I want to know who you are because you are an alien and you don't know it. <laughs> <clears throat> trouble is part of life. We've all had troubles, some less, some more. Some have known how to take care of it, and some of us haven't. Uh, there are people here that have been swallowed up by their troubles, and there are other people that realize that, hey, wait a minute, I've got to have a fortress, I've got to have a strength. And I will give you this as as a choice morsel, we can't make it on our own. We do need the Lord. And that's why to think of him as a refuge is not a sublimation. It's not a point of psychologically setting yourself up. No, 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 no. You see, God made the flesh, and God made the muscles, and God made the nerves, and God did all of that. And that's why when you die, the preacher says from ashes to ashes and from dust to dust because that's how it all starts and that's where all of this that you can see is going back to but ah the moment the great moment of creation was when he breathed in you his living breath his spirit and that's what made man the man he is today the breath of God other than that we'd be like any clay pot we'd be like any clay image but we're more than that within us lies the Spirit of God. So we have a refuge, and our refuge from trouble is our God. And the thing is, this clay knows how to get involved. This clay knows how to do everything else almost perfectly. This clay knows how to fight, and this clay knows how to move on. And this clay has learned to push and shove and kick and yell and shout. And this clay has learned to dance and to sing. And this clay has learned so much. So we're, we're, we're pretty articulate, beautiful uh, species of the great creation of God. But what we've completely forgotten and what we've completely closed up is the flow that's within us that is of the Spirit of God. And that's why we're disaster areas. That's why we're like moon craters. That's why we're in so much trouble. Now the psalmist says we will have troubles. We will have uh, trouble, much trouble. And then we'll also have, we'll be filled with fear. Oh, I don't, I don't think there's anybody sitting here, especially our tiny little babies, that have not experienced fear. Fear from the unknown, fear from the known, uh, uh, fear from nonsense, uh, and fear from very legitimate situations. So fear seems like part of our life. Matter of fact, uh, we kind of say, aren't we supposed to be afraid? 
I never fought with my kids with a bedroom light. Yeah, you know how some mothers say they turn off the light and the kids say, Mommy, leave the light on. No, you got to learn to sleep in the dark. No, I couldn't care how they slept. No, by that I mean, what, 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 what am I training? What am I doing? So I, I left lights on until they were old enough to get up and put them out themselves. They didn't even want the light. But basically, almost instinctively, we are afraid. We are afraid. We're full of fear. We're full of troubles. <coughs> and on top of that, the psalmist says, the earth also moves. My husband lived through a terrible earthquake in Puerto Rico. And whenever we go any place, that there are any type of vibrations that come suddenly, like if you're living in some of the houses underneath the trains, and when the train goes by the whole place, I remember the old, uh, the old Brooklyn Tabernacle, you can hear the trains come in. As a matter of fact, in the new one too, you can hear the trains come in, you can all of a sudden you feel this tremendous vibration, the earth changes, there are rumbles and there are quakes. That's why a psalm like this is so great. God's our refuge and our very present help in trouble. Therefore, we won't fear, though the earth should change. In the Living Bible, it says, though the world explode in front of us. And haven't we lived through these explosions? Oh, yes. Uh, whether it be a water main downtown or whether it be a bombs uh, in, in faraway places, far away the twin towers i mean how far away do we have to go so we know what it is uh, to live within the 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 what shall we say the parameter of rumbles and quakes and everything uh now when it comes to these things then we have we have a a bug with god we have a beef with god in other words uh, our question is well what god what good did it do so the earth shook, and what good did it do? What we're trying to say is, Lord, don't test us that way because it really doesn't do us any good. Well, I, I got news for you. I'm not telling you, and I say this from the bottom of my heart, that God is a teaser because he's not. God doesn't stand up there like a Marriott uh, wondering, you know, which, what he's going to do and what the new show is. God is the God that created heaven and earth. God is the God that made man and loved him so that he has not let go of him. When I read the history of the Bible, when I read the history of the word of God, I've got to tell you people something. I say to myself, and I say it very clearly, there are so many dangers, so many dangers. I wonder if we should open this door a little. I think we're lacking some kind of, how about the, the can we put on the air? Joe, try the air doesn't work sorry what happens is is it, it has frozen up during these days you people get ready for an onlash but it'll it'll be a little cool okay something will come through because that that's what disrupts the kids they're they're, they're warm there and and we we want you to hear uh, what God would say to you today so number one God is our refuge now God's answer to your inquiries and my inquiries, Lord, why the earthquake? I mean, what, what, what good is it going to do? Like we want to say, you know, don't let it happen. Okay. Uh, but let me, let me give you God's answer. Though the earth change and though the mountains quake, and in spite of what happens, I'm still your refuge. Whether you live through it or you don't live through it, I'm still your refuge. If you live through it, I'm your refuge. 
if you die and believe in me, I am your refuge. And you've arrived to the best place in the whole wide world. And believe that, folks. Believe that. What gets you into heaven is knowing Jesus, that he died on Calvary, and that his blood washes you whiter than snow. If you believe that, if you've accepted that, maybe you haven't been able to walk the pattern in terms of what religious groups want from you. But if your heart is pure, and you love the Lord, and you, you love him with all your heart, and you want to be what he would have you to be, I got news for you. You're saved. You're saved. So don't go, don't go squirming and, and saying the Pentecostalists say I have to be this way, or the Presbyterianos say I have to be this way, or, or, or the, the, you know, whoever. No, 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 no. You're made right with God through Calvary. You're made right with God through the son that died. You're made right with God receiving and accepting him and loving him with all of your heart. From then on, he'll lead, he'll lead you and let you know. So he, he, all God is telling you is that in the midst of all of our stress and troubles and trials, he is with us. Do you like that? I love it. I love it. I love it. I've been through hell and brimstone and... And, and it seems like I've gone and come several times in a lifetime. And, and I, I, like, I like what happens in times of trouble. And, and I've been in big trouble, okay? And the beautiful thing about it is that uh, you get very humble when you're in trouble. Oh, I'm so humble. Oh, I'm so humble. You have no idea. Uh, I, I don't have time for pride. I don't have time for, I really don't. I don't. Uh, when I look at what I do, I feel incomplete. When I look at who I am, I feel incomplete. When I look at what I'd like to do, oh, forget it. Neither the strength, nor the years, nor the time. But that's okay. That's okay. My God will take me just the way I am. And that's what's good about it. There are people that have already crossed me off the boards. There are people that have already said, hey, retirement age, it's over. La casa viejita. You know what I mean. It, I mean, it's over. But that's okay. That's okay. And that's why I say there's something about depending on God that's so good. Because I've had days to feel I could take on the world. There was a time that I thought I could save the world. You should have heard me. 1948, St. Anne's Avenue Corner, 138th Street. Everybody that walked by thought, whoa. I mean, who's this dynamo? They should hear me now. Pussycat. Because, uh, you know, why? Because it comes, there's, there are things that sometimes we do in our own strength, in our own energies, in our own youthfulness. But when it comes to needing God as a refuge, that has no age. You need him from one to a hundred. And after that, a little bit more. Okay, let's go on to the next thought that I have for you. And the thought is this, uh, we have a stronghold. Uh, that's that second paragraph which starts in verse 8. <coughs> or better yet, <coughs> we have a stronghold. It finishes, <coughs> I'm sorry, verse 7 finishes with the stronghold. We have a stronghold. Then it talks about something that I want to get you into. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The holy, the holy dwelling place of the Most High. And God is in the midst of her. She will not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations make an uproar. 
the kingdoms totter. He raised his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. I love when it says the God of Jacob because the God of Jacob is the God of the transformed patriarch. You see, the God of Abraham is the God of faith. The God of Isaac is the God of peace. If you understand what I mean, because of their personalities. Uh, God spoke to Abraham and Abraham said, swell, great, I believe it. And God said it was counted to him for righteousness. When it came to Isaac, he was a sweet fella. Remember how Isaac used to dig wells and then they would fill them with sand and steal them from him? And he'd go from one place to another and his men were ready to fight. They said, no, let's get our, let's get our fighting gear. Let's kill these people. And he didn't. He would just go and make another well. Then they would come and take it. Then he'd make another well. And they'd come and steal it. And his sons would look at him as though to say, you dumb? Let's do something. And he says, no, God is going to give us a well that's totally ours. He will be with us. And it happened. So I, 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 I kind of cringe at this a little because every now and then in my dad's ministry, my dad had that kind of patience. You know, he'd go to a person 10 times. I was ready to wipe him out the third. But he would go the 10 times, and I learned that God is a God of patience, and that was beautiful. Now, the God of Jacob, this is different. The God of Jacob is the God of the transformed man. Why? Because in human words, and this doesn't sound too good, but I'm going to tell it to you. Jacob was a stinker. He was a supplanter. He was malicious. Yeah, Jacob was. He tried to get as much as he can and as cunning as he can. His mother helped him a little. She was the one that covered his arms so he'd look like his brother Esau. She was the one to take him into his her blind husband, Isaac, and make him bless this boy that wasn't the boy he wanted to bless. So we've got a few problems. But when push came to shove, at the end of his, not at the end of his life, but he had to meet his brother Esau. We're talking about a good 20, 20 some odd years later. And when he has to meet Esau, he realizes this is the, this is the brother I lied to. This is the brother I stole from. This is the brother I did so much harm to. This is the brother that when he meets me, he's going to kill me. And his brother is on his way to meet him. They sent word. They sent word. We're on our way to meet you. I said, So he sends his family ahead and he goes back. And it's Jacob that fights with the angel. And he's fighting. But we know it's a visitation from God in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's fighting with the angel. And finally the angel says, let me go. And Jacob says, I can't let you go. Because the only thing I'd be letting go is the fact that I'm a scoundrel, that I'm good for nothing, that I merit death from my brother, that I merit to be wiped out, that I merit to be taken apart, that I merit to be killed. I can't let you go unless you bless me. You gotta bless me, otherwise I won't make it. And the angel of the Lord realizes 
This is his highest point. In life, his lowest point. Sometimes it takes our lowest point to make us rise in God's eyes to the highest point. And that highest point is surrender to God. Yeah, yeah. And it was so beautiful because the angel of the Lord and the Lord Jesus Christ, whatever name you want to give that person, then kicked him in the groin. And guess what? When he's crossing the Kabut Creek to the other side, he's limping. And he limped till he died. And it's interesting. Every now and then when you meet with God, he gives you a limp. Yeah. Some of us, and sometimes you don't even know it, you carry a bruise from God. And that bruise is just to let you know that he blessed you. He met you at his lowest, but he's given you a touch that you'll never forget. Hallelujah. Just trust him. Please trust him. Now the word goes on and says, and I want to share it with you. It says that in God's house there's a flow. I will go quickly over that thought. There's a stream of abundance, a stream of God. There's a filling of the wells. Uh, somehow or other, when you think of God, you think of an overflow. When I think of God, I think of Niagara Falls. When I think of God, I think of the little creeks, and I think of the, uh, of the water that goes down through the mountainside. It's like David said uh, uh, when he said, My heart panteth after God, as what? As the deer panteth after the water brooks. And you could hear the, the, the deer looking for the water brooks. Well, that's what flows. But you know, I found out something else. In the book of Isaiah, and in the 8th chapter, and from 5 to 19, it speaks about another flow. The only thing, it's not the divine flow that comes from the house of God, that comes from the throne of God, that comes from the presence of God, that comes from an experience with God. This flow is an earthly, demonic flow. And God says to Israel, you would not drink from my waters, but now you'll drink from Assyria's waters. You say, what do you mean by that? Now you'll drink from the waters of the nations that lie about. Uh, and what was that all about? Well, the enemy would then overflow Israel and Judah. Why? Because they did not want to drink from God's fountain. Choose to drink from God's fountain. He will quench your thirst. That's what Jesus told the Samaritan woman. If you drink this water, you'll be thirsty again. But if you drink the water that I give you, you will never thirst again. From God there flows a fountain that satisfies the soul. That spirit it doesn't drink rice and beans. It doesn't drink uh, the foods of earth. It's not in spaghetti and macaroni. It's not in roast chicken. I'm making you hungry good. All right. <coughs> there is a river that flows from the throne of God. Now, if you say no, I'll drink on my own, then be careful. Because when we seek help from the enemy... We're drinking from its fountain. You know, we don't have AA groups here, but we do have a New Beginnings group. And somehow or other, the format might, see, might seem the same, and it's quite therapeutic. 
But one thing we settle is the second step, and we settle it real clear. We do look to the higher power. The only thing is our higher power has a name. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. And we accept that and we establish that. And well, if you want to be in our circle, you'll find out that in that name there is redemption. And in that name there is salvation. And in that name there is freedom from everything that might serve to, to bind your life up. So our help can come from God, but we can't stay in the stream. We cannot stay in the stream, the overwhelming stream of the demonic. Matter of fact, there's a moment there in Isaiah 8 where the prophet is talking about what the people say. And one of the things the people say is, you don't know what's going to happen? You have problems thinking? You're not too sure? Well, consult the mediums. Consult the spiritists. They will tell you. And they will give you light. And hey, it's so sad to think that even the, the kings of Israel, such as King Saul, his moment of condemnation came when before he would trust God, he trusts the spiritist, he trusts the medium. Matter of fact, she, had, she was filled with the devil, yet enough to know when he left and feared that God might kill her. Isn't that interesting? I'm always amazed at how much the world and how much the satanic powers know about God. They know. They know. And, and, and her cry in Saul's case, why did you, in other words, why do you come to me? Why do you endanger me? Why, why are they in danger? Because the greatest power on the face of the earth is God. And when God says wipe you out, he will wipe you out. Wow. I don't even like the way I say that. Yeah, because I don't ever want to be wiped out. I really mean that. Now let's, let's look to this, uh, this last part of this verse 8. It says, behold the works of the Lord. Sister Amy, Pastor Amy, do me a favor. How can, I, how can I make things happen in my life? There's got to be a way. Yeah, there is a way. Number one, you got to take time to read, to see, to taste. I like David because David put things in human perspective. And one of the human perspectives he puts, he says, come and see, come and taste and see that the Lord is good. <clears throat> well, if he would tell us, and he does tell us many times, let your spirit drink in of God. But we ain't much into spirit. We know how it is to eat a good meal and be satisfied, right? We know how to be thirsty and drink a good drink and be, uh, be satisfied. So well, what does the scripture say? Taste and see that the Lord is good. So give it a try. Let your spirit taste and see. And then he says, because when it comes to the races, he's the one that burns the chariots. It's, it's not the Ben-Hur thing. You know, Charleston Heston... You know, that, 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 that's not it. That's not it. It's God. Because when God puts his finger on a chariot, he burns it to the ground. Yeah, God's the one that does it. And I, and I love him for letting us know that you prepare a horse for battle, but the victory belongs to God. Isn't it the truth? Read Proverbs. And as you read it, you'll find all of these great truths that stand out. He's the mighty conqueror. I like that. I like that. You know, when you have a battle and when you go through deep waters and when you go through great troubles, when you come out, you don't come out like a champion. 
you're not in the middle of the ring, you know, with your hands up, you know. And you're not, no, nobody puts a big gold belt on your belly. You know, you won this first place, second place, or whatever. No, 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 no. You know how you come out of battle? You come out crawling. You don't want to see anybody. You don't want to talk. Everything hurts. And you want to say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And you don't even dare say anything else. Because you've kind of come to the conclusion, I can't go through this again. Hey, give me a break. Would you please? That's where the humility sets in. Not that we're naturally, you know, humble. No. After the Lord giving us a good sacudida, good shake up, then all of a sudden we shine up, we brighten up. Thank God for that. Now here's the secret. There is a secret involved. And what is the secret? Number one, and I love the way it said, it said here, in the 10th verse, cease striving and know that I am God. I've got four different uh, Bible explanations for that verse. Number one, cease striving, American standard. Number two, be still and know that I am God. That's the old King James and the NIV. And then it says, uh, another, another one of the others, it says, uh, and I love it, it says, stand silent. Because have you, have you ever seen somebody standing with their mouth full? I mean, you know, it doesn't stop. No, stand silent. And what? Hey, know that I am God. And the last one is kind of, and an, what can I say? It's interpretive. It's very paraphrased. But it says a lot, but you've got to think of it a little. It means cease striving. It means be still. It means stand silent. But it has, it has the last part, which is the most important. Let go. Ooh, let go. Let go. Don't hang on to it. Your Lord is the commander of the heavenly armies, the God of Jacob. He's our stronghold, and this is what he is. A little lesson I learned this week, and I share it with you with a little embarrassment, but with truth from my heart. From about 6 o'clock Monday of this past week, Joe was up that early, and he was watching television. He walked into the bedroom, and he said to me, there's an earthquake in California. You know when you're half asleep and half awake? And you don't know really what people are saying to you. And, and you know, the channels aren't really open. <coughs> they're, not, they're not open. And he says, there's an earthquake in California. And my echo was, there's always earthquakes in California. Well, this is, you know, hey, when isn't it trembling? Whether it's the north or the south, whether it's the east or the west, whether it's the valleys or the quien sabe. It, there it is. And I thought to myself, that's not important. But when I got up, and start to hear and see the magnitude of it. When I saw the devastation, then all of a sudden, San Fernando Valley, that's too close to my heart. I've been preaching in the San Fernando Valley since 1959. I, I know the area like my fingertips. Uh, I know the pastors. I know the members. Matter of fact, it's, it's like the blessed family today. I, I, I knew the pastors. I knew the older crowd. I, I knew the younger crowd. And, 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 I, and I was just meeting grandchildren and great-grandchildren. How do you like that? Wow. And all of a sudden, I got... Now, I didn't condemn God. Don't, don't anybody, I have no problems with that. 
I'm not going to stand here and say, hey, hey, que pasa? Que, uh. No, really. You see, that's what's so beautiful about the Bible, folks. Read it, study it, get into it. Yeah, I don't tell you to get into church. I tell you to get into the Word of God because it's the Word of God that then will tell you what to get into and what, what's worth getting into. Because once the issues of life are settled in the Word of God, hey, you can go on and take anything. And one of the issues of life that has to be settled is that God knows all things. And that God is the doer of great things. And that, hey, I got news for you. God, and, and listen to me carefully because he doeth all things well. I got problems with that, but that's truth. That is truth. So I have found out that God, first of all, God is, God is, 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 he's a just God. Second, he's a God of love. And third, and don't forget it, he's got a plan for your life. I love that about God. We deal with masses. Someday we're going to have an auditorium that fits 1,000, 2,000, or 3,000. I'll probably sit in the pulpit and cry because I can't see each eyeball to the last sister, to my brother Abel back there looking at the bulletin board. Hey, I can't, all of that going on. Understand what I'm saying? I'll probably be, the, you know, like, 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 what, like what I am, una vieja. But, uh, but right now, what a privilege. Yes, to look at the folks upstairs sitting, uh, enjoying this service with us. For you, our God is a great God. I didn't condemn. I had a sense of futility. What can you do? What can you do? I couldn't, if, if I could do something, what could I do? So I cried. And I've been crying for four days. How long can you cry? You know, and then all of a sudden you start to judge yourself. Am I having a pity party? Am I enjoying this? Because you know, say, hey, you can get so sick that you can't stop. Wait, something must be good. All right? And then last but not least, I opened myself up to the most horrendous depression. And you gotta be careful with depressions. Because <coughs> one of the real signs of depression is not that you're crying over an earthquake, but that everything around you makes you cry. Whether you see a child, a beautiful child, you're crying. Whether you hear a friend's voice or see a mother's picture or, or think of places you've been to and things you've done, all of a sudden, life becomes one bowl of, of just tears. Now, that's a depression, okay? Now, this is where this exercise comes in so good. Be still. Déjate del lloriqueo. Yeah. I, I, that's why in Puerto Rico, did you ever hear people say, you know, the prophet of tears was Jeremiah? And in Puerto Rico, everybody says, déjate de Jeremiquiar. You've heard it. You've heard it, haven't you? Sale de Jeremias. Stop Jeremiahing. You know what I mean? Just talking, uh, just crying and crying. Why? Because once again, we go to square one. Our God is our refuge. Not because uh, he doesn't take you through. Not because you're perishing. He is your God because he is your God. Whether we come out alive or whether we come out of dead, God is our refuge. And hey, that's the conviction. That is the conviction. I don't tell God what to do. I wish he'd tell me what to do. I, and he does through his word. 
Do you understand what I mean? But I want to share with you this day, folks, that when you get home tonight, uh, just take a little time to read Psalm 46. Make it your psalm. You know what I've also thought of, and I, I, I don't, I don't want to be ugly because this is ugly, but I'll give you the bright side and I'll give you the ugly side. We look at this devastation on earth and, and we have these type of feelings and this type of situation of which God has to grab a hold of us and say, hey, I'm here. I am here. And re remember this, in death and in all these horrible things, whoever is ready, and ready means you've accepted the man of Calvary and you've determined that he's your savior and you will walk in his love. Once that determination is made, you're ready to die. I mean, don't drop dead, but you're ready to die. You are ready to die because that's what makes us ready. What, what I want you to understand is no matter what, in spite of what happened, God is your refuge. God is your refuge. In your loneliness, God is your refuge. In your emptiness, God is your refuge. In your pain, God is your refuge. Would you say it? God is my refuge. Say it again. Now say it to yourself. That's right. When I talk to myself, I talk out loud. So don't be afraid. God is my refuge.